com. From the Arnold House, up on top of Chandelier, featuring 14 guest rooms, a seasonally rotating menu at the tavern, greenhouse gardens, barn, and more. TheArnoldHouse.com Tell me your name. Bill Boyle. Tell us what you love about this time of year. The colors up here are phenomenal. Just looking at the trees, uh, for me as a beekeeper, the honey harvest is the best time of the year. Are you familiar with Radio Catskill? Absolutely. Oh, tell us what you like about Radio Catskill. Oh, are you kidding? They have great shows. Seriously, great music and, you know, the news interviews are great. I love it. Make your donation now during our Fall Favorites Fund Drive at WJFFRadio.org. Welcome to the local edition news and information to keep you connected in the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dolt. And coming up, we've got the latest on jobs in the economy around our listening area, around the country. It's WorkShift Live with James B. Huntington. But first, before that, it's Liam Mayo from the River Reporter for our weekly news roundup. Liam, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So um, I actually saw you in person today. We were out there at this uh, New York 19th congressional candidate, Josh Riley, get out the vote rally featuring a guy known as former President Bill Clinton. He was the main speaker. What what was your take away from all of this? Yeah, it was good seeing you there. Um, <laughs> and I, two of the main takeaways I had were um, the speaker's um, including Clinton and including Riley, talked a decent amount about crime and they talked a decent amount about the issues of abortion. Um, abortion being a sort of strong talking point for Democrats since the Roe v. Wade decision. Um, and Riley took the time to make sure his stance on abortion was very pro-choice and sort of differentiating it from uh, his Republican opponent's position on the matter. Um but the other talking point that a lot of the speakers discussed was crime, and it was specifically that these are candidates who aren't necessarily going to be radical on crime. These aren't candidates who are going to defund the police. Uh, Riley talked up his, um, his uh, parental connection to law enforcement, um, yeah, you know, I've actually got a clip of that here. He did it in a fairly humorous way, uh, addressing uh, essentially attack ads being run by the opposition. Let's just let's just listen to that clip quick. At the beginning of it, it says, uh, and this is not true. It says that it alleges that uh, I want to defund the police. And uh, the thing that's really awkward about that for me is that uh, I come from a law enforcement family. <laughs> so my, my mom worked in law enforcement for 20 years in Tioga County and so these ads came out and I had to call my mom mom these ads are on TV you're probably going to see them and look mom like I promise I love you and I'm not going to defund you so Liam he's getting laughs from the crowd there but the message is pretty clear yeah the message is pretty clear that he's not going to defund the police and that he is concerned about safety 
Um, and President Clinton, I believe, touted his um, record on safety as well. And um, that could be assigned to what they think will play better among their audience of the mostly rural 19th district um, or just a sign of their own deeply held convictions. You know, uh, one of the takeaways that I had from this, and this is kind of the lead in my story, that this was what I heard was uh, a definite uh, effort to also get out the message that democracy is on the ballot this year, something that we have not been hearing as much from Democratic candidates uh, for the rest of the run up to the election. But in recent weeks, it seems like we've been hearing that more. We heard more about that today. And uh, uh, President Clinton kind of brought both that issue and the larger crime issue uh Basically, he was, he, he was uh, comparing uh, essentially a, a sense of lawlessness that's, that's, that's starting to permeate, in his opinion. Uh, he didn't say lawlessness, but it seemed like that's what he was describing with the Supreme Court, like just contrasting that there was different justifications for two recent high-profile Supreme Court rulings, uh, one the, that overturned Roe versus, Raid, Roe versus Wade by finding that uh, undue burden is essentially an unmeasurable standard that should not be the basis to interfere with local governance. Yet that contrasts starkly with the the court's ruling that overturned century old New York City gun law that was supported by a large majority of New Yorkers. And uh, this is that moment uh, from President Clinton. You've got to have a reason. You know what they said? It's just too much. They didn't show one example of how it interfered with the constitutional right to hunt, to sports shoot and to have a weapon for self-protection if you live a long way from law enforcement. Not anything. They said, we just think it's too much. In other words, whatever they want is now the law. I'm telling you, I know it's not popular to talk about democracy on the line, but it's on the line. Uh, saying there essentially whatever they whatever they want that's the law that was kind of the case that he was making in uh remarks about uh the the Republican candidate for Arizona governor did you pick up on any of that Liam Yeah I thought that was a particularly interesting bit and that that was definitely a good bit to highlight um and I was very intrigued by the, the way he said that um it's unpopular to talk about yes. that democracy is on the line because yes. you're right in that we haven't necessarily heard it as much up here um, as a talking point on the trail. But it seems like the entire country has been talking about our democracy being on the line for at least a couple of years now. And um, it, the question isn't whether our democracy is that threat. It's from what side the threat is coming. Is mm. it... Um, Democrats who are the threat to democracy or is it Republicans who are the threat to democracy? And I think each side will have their deeply held convictions about that. And Well, this becomes um, more like a political analysis because when I heard that really struck, stuck out to me because I've been wondering why I'm not hearing more about that issue, at least uh, here in New York State from Democratic candidates. And um, it, it almost seems when he said it's unpopular, it almost felt to me like he's referring to, you know, behind the scenes in the National Democratic Party power structure that they're, they're very hesitant now they play that. And here in New York State, you know, it was just last week 
less than a week ago that I saw the first ad from uh, uh, in support of Governor Kathy Hochul. It said that she supported the ad. It was the first ad that I'd seen that even talked about uh, her her opponent and whatever connection he had. The fact that he was voting uh, against the certification of the vote even after the insurrection happened. I, I mean, this is something that democracy on the ballot. That could have been something that Governor Hochul was saying months ago. But I feel like I haven't heard that at all. Yeah. Well, another potential way to analyze it is, or that I was sort of thinking of, it relates to, I believe it was Clinton who said this at another point in the conversation about how he really wants people to reach across the aisle and talk to their neighbors. And if you like talk to your neighbors and have everyone be a little less afraid of the current political situation and the current economic situation, then they can kind of vote with their head more and in a very contested, very split district like the 19th Congressional District, um, bringing up or sort of harping on what can be as divisive an issue as democracy is at threat might not be in, be the wisest strategy. Or maybe there is, as you're saying, a disagreement in the higher-ups of the Democratic Party about whether that is the correct strategy to use. Right. And I wish uh, I didn't I don't have a clip ready to go, but uh, I do like towards the end, he said, like, well, you're laughing, but, you know, I'm glad you're laughing. because That means you're thinking. That means you're thinking about it. And he even referenced yeah. speaking at Aretha Franklin's funeral, which was a heavy thing to bring up. But he, he said he walked off to the tune think because he, he wants he wants people to think we should mention we don't want uh, former President Clinton to. Uh, take all the attention away from the fact that there was other candidates that spoke, including uh, Sullivan County Democratic Com- uh, Committee Chair Ann Hart. She's not a candidate, but she's a committee chair. Uh, but introducing Sullivan County DA Megan Galligan, who's running for New York Supreme Court, and longtime New York Assemblywoman Aileen Gunther, who's seeking re-election. And uh, side note will be Sabrina Artel's guest coming up at 7 o'clock here. Um, what, what, did you take anything away from, from any of those speeches? Yeah, Um I thought uh, Galligan did a very good job advocating for sort of the work she has done in Sullivan County and highlighting the work she's done um, on the opioid crisis specifically. Um, And I thought Gunther gave sort of a very impassioned defense of the position that abortion is healthcare and that it is a woman's right to choose and She's able to speak on that position from her experience as a registered nurse, and that gives that speech just a lot of conviction and a lot of passion. And I thought uh, the speakers on the whole were very passionate and very well-spoken. And, uh, you know, Galligan actually, uh, I mean, she did it with a smile, but she did some serious legal flexing and even like kind of putting herself, uh, uh, in the same category as, as Bill Clinton, uh, just because there was, there, you know, the serious legal candidates, uh, speaking today, uh, between her and Josh Riley and Bill Clinton. And I thought that was, it was, you, it was kind of exciting to see a Sullivan County native uh, doing that kind of a flex, at least from a, you know, w- within the political sphere anyway. Oh, absolutely. And <laughs> th- that's always one of the fascinating things to me about when these, quote unquote, big name political figures come to Sullivan County. They're they're just people, really. Like um, Galligan, Gunther, Riley, Clinton, they're all just people trying to make this country better. And 
like, yes, one of them was the former president of the United States and the others are sort of operating on a more local level, but we're all in this together. There's no like kings and peasants hierarchy operating here. Liam, we've talked a lot about this one story today, though it was a big event and it was a, a very well-attended event. There was a lot of uh, foot traffic in the building where at the Hurleyville Performing Arts Center, a lot of uh, car traffic after the event, people leaving. Um, but what else can we talk about? Uh, there are some ballot propositions. Uh, we've been talking about the New York proposition. Can you talk about uh, the Wayne Pike propositions? Are there any? Yeah, there. I don't believe there are state-level propositions in Pennsylvania, but there are two propositions in Pike County. Uh, voters in the township of Blooming Grove will be asked if they support a 1.5 mils increase in the ambulance task or tax, excuse me, supporting the Blooming Grove Volunteer Ambulance Corps. And voters in Matamoros Borough will be asked if they favor a one mil increase in the fire protection tax to support the Matamoros Fire Department. When, so, when, what do you mean by mil? You mean a million? So it is a technical taxing definition, and it is the amount of tax payable per dollar of the assessed value of the property. So it it basically means you will be paying a little bit more on your taxes if you're paying property taxes, if this goes through. So I have a ballot proposition that uses a unit of measurement that doesn't fully correlate to something that average people can relate to. Yes. <laughs> okay. To, to briefly highlight another confusing ballot proposition, um, the town of Tustin is, will be voting on its um, cannabis laws whether they approve or disapprove of allowing cannabis uh, retail and cannabis consumption sites in the town. And the way those resolutions are worded, if you vote yes on them, you are advocating for the ban of cannabis because you are arguing that the, ban that the law imposing the ban should be approved. And if you are arguing no, then you are arguing for the... Um, allowing of cannabis hmm. so i remember we've that, talked we've talked about this before and how confusing it is so it's so it's back on the ballot yes it is back on the ballot wow all right, Liam, we've pretty much talked through all of our time, so I think we're going to move it along. But I do uh, want to mention uh, that not – and this is when I always say you'll, – you'll be here next Wednesday for a roundup, right? Yeah. Okay. So and then listeners can also hear you on the weekend, of course, doing the headlines for both New York and PA because we have local news seven days a week, thanks to the work that you do. And also, Liam, you'll be joining us on election night uh, for our local coverage. Is that correct? Absolutely. So make sure to go out and vote. Go out and vote and then uh, come on back and listen to our coverage. We will be uh, doing local edition uh, results coverage. It won't be really results while the polls are still open, but we will be doing election coverage from 6.30 until 8 p.m. on Tuesday. And then from 8 p.m. until 1 a.m., it's coverage from NPR, and we'll be breaking in with local results as we get them late into the night. Liam Mayo, thank you so much for chatting today. Thanks for having me. It's Local Edition. When we come back, it will be WorkShift Live on the Local Edition.
You are listening to the local edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Radio Catskill is keeping you connected this election season. The deadline to register to vote in New York State has passed. Registered voters can still request absentee ballots. Absentee ballot requests must be received in person by November 7th. Absentee ballots must be returned postmarked by November 8th. Early voting for the general election in New York State takes place from October 29th to November 6th. Election day is Tuesday, November 8th. This is Radio Catskill. Thank you for listening to Radio Catskill during our Fall Favorites Fun Drive. This one-of-a-kind radio station with local programs you can't find anywhere else depends on your support. If you haven't given yet, please take a moment to donate at WJFFRadio.org. Let us know which shows are your favorites and keep local public radio here in the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Give now at WJFFRadio.org. And right now it's that time on a Wednesday evening where we go over the latest on jobs and the economy around our listening area around the country. For that, we turn to James B. Huntington for another edition of Work Shift Live. Hello, James. Good evening, Jason. Good evening, listeners. All right, let's start off with interest rates. James, what happened today? Today, the Fed raised the rate three quarters of a percent the same amount they have the last four times so this is it's expected it might have been half a point instead of three quarters of a point but that's what they did investors did not like it Hmm. how about you The Dow went down 500 points today. The good news is that over the past week, it's still up 300 because we had an 800 and some point gain on Friday. Other things reacted pretty much as expected. Gold's at 1637, lost 19 over the week, mostly on the interest rates. Silver dropped 35 cents to 1922, very much the same. Oil's been creeping up, though. It's at 89.45. It went up a little more than a dollar. Bitcoin dropped 625, but it was at a multi-month high a week ago. Mm. Foreign currencies are down. The pound is down two cents and some to a dollar fourteen. Euros at 98 cents, that's down close to 3 cents. The euro's not been doing well, and the 100 yen coin is still at 68 cents. Mm. Mainly, mainly we have a lot of reactions, I think, not only to the interest rate increase, but to comments the Fed was making. They, they said, you know, the chair, Jerome Powell, said <coughs> that, it was very premature to consider a pause in the interest rate increases, so we may get another 75 hundredths in January. So that may have disappointed them. Hmm. 
So, so you're you're saying that the drop in the Dow today is related to to both the actual actions that were taken and then other language that's coming out of the Fed today. That's what that's what you're seeing. Yes, people expected. I mean, most of that three quarters of a point was baked into the cake already, hmm. but it was not so much expected that Powell would say that they're not going to stop, that this isn't going to be it. So. The Dow investments in general deal well with bad news when it's expected. They get it out of their system and such, but that was what was unexpected. We did not know that they would say this. Okay. So it is now the highest interest rate we've had for about 14 years, although, again, it's lower than any point in the 60s. 70s, even into the 80s. So it's relatively high, but it's not nearly as high as it was during most of the last half century. Okay, and now, um, so so moving on from this this national and even international news because of the reaction, uh, for some local news, uh, what what do you have uh, on Sullivan County right now? Yes, it led the state in job growth. This is an article from the Sullivan County Democrat. The highest percentage of job increases for the year ending in September was in Sullivan County, 9.1%. So it was higher. New York City was less than 7%, and... I don't have the actual numbers, but they said it far outpaced neighboring mid-Hudson counties. So that's really quite an achievement. It's not a massive amount more, but it's number one in a good way. So congratulations and good job to people who have been bringing jobs into this area. So I guess that means it's a good area to get a job. Yes, the real strength, the real growth was in information services and leisure and hospitality. Hotels, apparently the casino is still maintaining a lot of people, possibly hiring more. The comment here is that the demand for new products or services in Sullivan County was at an all-time high, so... It's doing extraordinarily well. People are spending money here. People who live here are spending money, and people who are visiting here are spending money, supporting a lot of jobs. So whatever we're doing, this should be a um, congratulatory thing, certainly for people who have made these decisions leading to this. Well, that's that's some news you're making. You're breaking here, of course, with the Sullivan County Democrats' help. Um, let's stay on the issue of employment. What's a, You've got some more data on job openings as well as people quitting? Yes, it was the, the JOLTS survey came out this past week, and that is the Job Openings and Labor Turnover Summary. It's a a monthly report. It came out on November 1st. It has 
job openings as advertised. It has the number of people quitting. It has other layoffs and people being fired and such also. And most of this stayed sort of the same. The job openings, the number of advertised job openings went up almost half a million, though, to one to 10.7 million. The number of people hired in here was down a couple hundred thousand to 6.1 million. The hmm, quits stayed the same at 4.1 million. Layoffs and discharges, 1.3 million were a little lower. So not a lot is really happening here, but the news has to be that it's not decreasing but it's staying very much the same, that this may have been an input. I'm sure it was an input into the Fed's decision today. They're determining that the job market can take it if interest rates are higher and there are some decreases because there are plenty of increases going on, too. All right. And now, talking about, like, people... You know, uh, people quitting. What about these quiet quitters? How are some companies responding to this? I, I, the the memes on Facebook tell you companies are complaining about it. Well, yes, we have a, a actually a rather quick reaction, and they're saying that some companies are quiet firing these people. <laughs> you mm. you can't quiet quit. I'm going to quiet fire you. Yes, exactly. Well. <laughs> Sort oh of a goodness. logical thing here, because right. so if people are doing less, what they're doing is freezing out some of these people. They're avoiding one-on-one -on -one conversations. They're not giving feedback as much as they were before. They're not sharing critical information, even some of that needed to do their jobs. And, of course, they're passing them over for promotions it's a little soon to talk about raises. This has been all the last month or two, but they're expecting that people who are hmm, pegged as quiet quitters are going to get low raises and no raises to a large extent. So there's some extent, there's just, in some sense, they're trying to demoralize these people and get them to actually quit, quit if they don't want them. But really, what we have here is a change in expectations. Mm. One problem, a problem that employers have had, and they're really getting paying for it right now, is often they will have sort of quiet expectations that people will, for example, put in extra hours. But these things are never documented. They're not told officially that they are expected to work 50 or 60 hours a week they just sort of they sort of angle they sort of shoot the corners as far as trying to get people to do it trying to influence but push comes to shove there's usually no rule requiring it so the people working 40 are making that choice consistent with what's been going on in the labor market in the past year with people looking at their life but work balance more carefully and extra hours certainly doesn't help that kind of thing. So I think what we're going to have within the year is 
more companies deciding how much work they need out of their people. Generally, I'm talking about white-collar, professional, cubicle workers here. They're going to formally document what the hours would be. Let's say if they... If people are working 40 to 60 hours a week in these positions, they may well document that people have to work 50. So they'll get that anyway. Instead of just sort of trying to expect it or trying to set up situations where they feel obliged to do it, I don't think that's working as well as before. It certainly was the case when I was at AT AT&T. A lot of people put in extra hours they really didn't need to, and they couldn't possibly have been benefiting on an hourly rate enough to justify it, but they felt intimidated, they felt obligated somehow. Hmm. All right. Well, James, we're going we're gonna to have to get going here. We're just about out of time, but I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us here. Will you, will you be back next week? Yes, I will. Okay, we'll see. We'll see how things stand after you'll be on the day after uh, this election. So we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Oh boy, we sure will. Yes, also I'll, I'll see what I can get as far as election results and expected changes to jobs and the economy there. Okay, that's so, great. Well, that's for the latest in jobs and economy. We will talk to you again. Thank you for another edition of Work Shift Live. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, listeners. That's James B. Huntington. Workshift Live comes to you this time every Wednesday on the Local Edition. Local Edition comes to you every weekday evening. And all this comes to you thanks to listeners just like you who decide to give what they can when they can. Please give now. Help us with our Fall Favorites Fun Drive. Go to WJFFRadio.org. That's WJFFRadio.org to make your donation now. Uh, we've got until noon on Saturday to finish raising the funds we've got to raise. Uh, we've come a very long way, but we're not quite there yet. And uh, if we haven't heard from you, you're the one we need to hear from. Coming up, it's Trailer Talk. Overnight low down to 39 and clear tonight. Sunny again tomorrow. Not quite as warm, but still pretty nice. High of 63. This is WJFF Jeffersonville, W233-AH.